Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, a weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. What do you think God is like? How often have we stopped and really considered the attributes of God? Pastor Nicole is going to take a look at some of those attributes in a new series that we're calling More Than You Think. We're going to discover some of the ways that God is more holy, more powerful, more present, and more active in our everyday lives than we have ever considered. We think you're going to really enjoy this series, so let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole. The other morning, I was driving the kids to school, and my smallest daughter, who is always asking the most inquisitive questions, she's six, uh, she says, Mom, what does God look like? And so we had the most fascinating conversation with my 12, 8-year-old, and 6-year-old in the car on the way to school about what they think God looks like. At first they said, I bet he's strong and, and protective, uh, a father who always cares for you, can always get you out of the, the problem or the jam that you're in. Another one of my daughters said, I bet they could fix anything with ease, just like daddy. <laughs> Another one of my daughters, and, and don't laugh, because I'm sure you may have had this same situation sometime. She said, I think he has a long white beard. Anybody, like, you just have pictured God with a long white beard? I know I have. And then my, my littlest daughter chimed in and said, I am just positive he can run really fast and swim even faster. And so we kind of put all that together. We combined all those ideas, and by the time we hit I-90, uh, when we got off, we ended up with this visual. <laughs> Maybe God was like King Triton from The Little Mermaid, strong and loving and protective and powerful with a mermaid tail. Just maybe. What is God like? If you had to describe who he was, what would you say? If you were in the van that morning with us driving to school, how do you picture God in your mind? I want you just to take 30 seconds, tell the person next to you in a few words what God is like. How would you describe it? If you're watching online or if you're here all by yourself, just tell yourself. How do you think that you view God? Go ahead and do that right now. Sometimes it's hard to explain what God looks like to other people. And I think sometimes it's even hard personally to get a picture of who God is because he's different than us. He's different than humans. And so this series that we're beginning today that will take us all the way to Easter is called More Than You Think. More Than You Think. And what we're going to be talking about is attributes and characteristics of God. And I can assure you that the conclusion uh, to all of these messages is that God, no matter what we can imagine, is so much more. He's so much more than we think. He's so much more than our hearts can comprehend and than our minds can digest. He is even greater than King Triton. <laughs> he is so much more than all of that. I want to encourage you today that this series is designed to be shared. You know, there are a lot of rumors and wrong thinking out there about who God is. Am I right? There's a lot of people who have weighed in on the matter that didn't have an accurate perspective. There's a lot of skewed experiences. There's a lot of false information. There's a lot of bad theology that has given the world, has given people the wrong impression of who God really is. And so it is really important to share this series with friends and family and coworkers because they need to know the truth of who God is. I believe that when we encounter the truth of God, 
it changes who we are. If we can have an encounter with actually God, with the truth, the whole, the whole being of who he is, when we can have an encounter with God himself, people change. And so that's why it's so important to share this series. So I'm just going to give you a plan. Here's the plan for this series. First, I want, it, I want you to share these messages via video or podcast, however you listen. Challenge yourself to share each message with one person a week. It'll take two seconds, two minutes, just to click the share button. Will you pray and ask God, who is it that needs to hear about who, what God is, what he really, who he really is? Ask God, he will direct you, and, and it will take you two minutes to do that. It'll be such a simple thing where you can get the truth of who God is into someone else's hands. Second, you come every week and invite someone to come or sit and watch, if you're watching online, with you. Now listen, they may not say yes, but your job is to be obedient to Jesus and ask them. It actually has very little to do with whether they say yes or no. It is that you're obedient and willing to say, I want the people in my life to know the truth about who God is, so I'm going to do my job faithfully, and I'm going to ask them. And they may say no to you 10 times in a row, but you have done your job, right? You're faithful to what God has asked you to do. So I invite one person every week to this series. Okay, here's the third thing. And I'm really excited about it. I'm asking Pastor Danielle to come up and, and uh, show it to us today. But we created this really cool gift for you to take. We bought the gift, and we want you to give it away. You're an excellent Vanna White. Very nice. Uh, we call it a hope box. And on the label, it says, winter is almost over. Hope is on the way. Anybody happy about that this morning? I believe this. Okay, winter's almost over. Maybe just a few more of that you know, cold snap, right? Winter is almost over. And that's what the sticker says. And then inside, there are several items. They're all yellow in color, okay? We did snacks and uh, seeds to plant in your garden and sunglasses and all these things because everybody can agree we just need a little more sunshine right now. We just need a little more sunshine. So most importantly, inside this box is a magnet clip attached to an invitation to our Easter service. And so our hope is that when you give this hope box to a neighbor, to a friend, to a family member, that you invite them to Easter service. And inside the box, these are all just you know, things to get you excited, but that is the most important thing because we know that in just a few weeks, we're gonna celebrate one of the most important days in all of history. The day that Jesus Christ died on a cross and three days later rose from the grave for hope for our lives. And so these will be available next week. We're asking that every, every person, if you're here in this room, that you can take one. It's not even one per family. It's one per person. We want you to pray through who you can deliver it to and to spread hope through this whole community. All right, if you're excited about that, would you just thank God this morning? Give, give a few claps. So today we're going to talk about the attribute of holiness. God is more holy than we think. God is more holy than we think. We see some examples in scripture of when people encountered God's holiness. You might remember uh, Moses. He's minding his own business, tending his flock, and he notices a bush on fire. Now I want you just to think, what would you do in that moment? He realizes it's the presence of God, and so he goes to take a closer look. You have to love Moses' confidence and, and curiosity. And he goes to find, see the bush and, and understand what's happening with it. And as he gets closer, a voice from the bush comes out as if it could get any stranger. And God says, stop, don't come any closer. This holy ground. This is my presence. In fact, take off your sandals. And Exodus 3 says that Moses hid his face because he was shook by the holiness of God his overwhelming, 
powerful holiness. Now, some other examples of God's holiness in the Bible can be found in verses describing something called the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies was an inner room of the Israelite temple where the presence of God resided. This was before the Holy Spirit was released to be all over everywhere. And so God's presence was in this temple, was in this room in the Holy of Holies. And the Israelites and the priests that worked within the temple were in such close proximity to God's holiness that they had to take great caution to keep themselves pure. Now, some of you, uh, like Pastor Daniel said, maybe you're following along with the church Bible plan, or maybe you've read Leviticus and you have thought to yourself, why is all this stuff in here? It's all kinds of weird. (laughs) You have thought that to yourself. But the rituals that the Israelites had to follow in order to stay pure were numerous. And they included such things as staying away from dead animals, staying away from certain foods, staying away from certain bodily fluids. <laughs> and this was all to describe and contrast the holiness of God. That compared to us, compared to this world, compared to the things we touch and see and smell and say, that God is so much more holy than we think. When Jesus was on earth, Christ was, who is God's holiness in human flesh, purified everything he came in contact with. Jesus healed the sick, he raised the dead, he casted out demons, he stood for holiness. He came to make everything wrong with the world right. (laughs) And that's what he did. He went around and when he saw something that wasn't clean and he wanted to make it holy before the Lord. And so we see all through scripture that God's holiness is his defining characteristic, that it is completely unique to God and utterly all-powerful, radiating out from God. And we see in these examples in scripture that God's holiness is overwhelming. So overwhelming, it can actually be dangerous to approach because of how overwhelming God is. Now I got to thinking, this makes me think of the sun. We don't know a lot about the sun this time of year in Erie, Pennsylvania, but let me remind you, the sun is bright and powerful. It's energy that radiates throughout the entire solar system. In fact, it lights our entire planet. It heats our entire planet. It's good, it's helpful to be in the sun's rays, but the sun itself is so powerful that it's dangerous to get close to. You couldn't fly a plane and visit the sun. In fact, it hurts your eyes if you look at it too long, and we're 92 million miles away. God's holiness is more powerful. It's more radiating than even the sun. So powerful, so stunning, that God's holiness is even dangerous. The chaplain for the Chicago Bears in the 1980s tells this rendition of of something that happened in the team locker room. One day, Coach Ditka was about to deliver a pep talk to the team. And he said to one of the players, uh, when I get finished, when I, when I finish up, I want you to close with the Lord's Prayer. The player was William Refrigerator Perry. You may remember him if you're a football fan. He was a 338-pound defensive tackle and nicknamed the Fridge. And the coach began to talk. Meanwhile, Jim McMahon, the outspoken quarterback, whispers to the chaplain, look at the fridge. He doesn't know the Lord's prayer. Sure enough, 
Perry sat with this look of sheer panic on his face, his head in his hands. He's sweating profusely, waiting for the moment. And the chaplain said to the quarterback, everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. I'm sure he's fine. But after a few minutes, the fridge, Perry, leaked several gallons of sweat. And McMahon nudged the chaplain and said, I bet you 50 bucks he doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. And so when Coach Ditka finished his pep talk, he asked all the men to remove their hats And then he nodded at Perry, and he bowed his head. And it was quiet for a few moments. And this giant football player spoke. And in a shaky voice, he prayed, God is great, and God is good. And we thank him for this food. (laughs) (laughs) The best part is the chaplain felt a tap on his shoulder. And it was Jim McMahon, the quarterback. He said, Here's the $50 I owe you. I had no idea he knew the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) I tell you this joke because this simple prayer gives us a way to remember the definition of holiness. Every time you pray it, I want you to remember what this prayer is referring to, that God is great and God is good And we thank him for this food. The two virtues assigned to God in this prayer, greatness and goodness, is what holiness is. Holiness is all the greatness and all the goodness that exists in all the universe combined together. All the goodness and all the greatness that could possibly exist combined together into the holiness of God. That word holiness uh, is Hebrew. In Hebrew, the word is kadash, which means to separate to set apart, or to distinguish. And it is a word about God's position in relation to us and in, a relation, in relation to a world full of sin. God is great. God is set apart from us. He is in a class all by himself. Holiness means that God is transcendent. He's unique. He's superior in his greatness. He is nothing like us. He does not stumble. He is not weak. He never fails. He never falters. God is great. And also God is good. All the time he does what is right. He never does what is wrong. He never picks the wrong choice. He is unstained by sin. He never compromises. God does not even bend a little when it comes to wrongdoing. God always acts in a righteous manner because his nature is holiness. He is both great and good in all the sense of the word. He encapsulates holiness. And so we're going to pray that prayer this morning. And instead of saying food, we're going to say today, because unless you have a snack in your purse, we don't have any food to play over this morning. But we're going to say God is great and God is good, and we thank him for today. And I want to tell you this morning, if you are understanding holiness, please don't just mumble this to the person next to you. Okay, we're going to declare it. We're going to pray it. We're going to give God the holiness and, and the glory that he deserves. Are you ready? All right, let's do it twice way through. I'll count to three. One, two, three. God is great, and God is good, and we thank him for today. One more time. God is great, and God is good, and we thank him for today. Yes, give God praise for that. He's so good and so great. One of the best passages in scripture to understand God's holiness is found in Isaiah 6, and I asked Pastor Adam to come help me read it today. He's going to read from Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on his throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. In this vision, the first verse starts with, in the year that the king died. King Uzziah may have died. The world may have felt like their leader had fallen, that it was all chaos. But guess what? God was still on the throne. (laughs) That's what it's showing here in Isaiah 6. The king may have died. But God was still on the throne, and the throne was high and exalted, which means that it's greater and exceeded all other thrones. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Imagine a bride with a long train of their robe filled the whole temple, a symbol of royalty, the train of God, so so much royalty, it far surpasses anything we have known or can imagine. And at his sides were angels, and their job was to give glory to the Lord. And we know angels are without sin. They're perfect. They're sinless. But yet, completely pure, these angels still had to cover their face and their feet with their wings because they were in the presence of a magnificent God. So even a holy being in the presence of a magnificent God has to hide their face because of how amazing God's purity is. God's greatness is in a class all to itself. And the angels were saying, holy, holy, holy. That's three times in a row. It declares supremely holy, as holy as you can get. And the shaking of the doorpost simply adds to this sense of awesomeness and power. And these images are designed to point us to a majesty in God that provokes reverence and awe. Let's keep reading verses 5 through 8. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Isaiah responds to God's holiness when he has this moment, and he basically says, I am wrecked. Like, I am so undone. I'm a puddle on the floor. I can't unsee what I just saw. I'm ruined. I'm wrecked. I'm so undone. I find it so interesting that Isaiah was a preacher of God. That's what he did. That's what he did all of his days. And the thing he was most insecure about was his lips. He was worried that that his lips were unclean before the Lord. And what that reminds me of is even our greatest strength was undone when it was compared to God's holiness. Even the thing we think we're killing it at, even the thing we think we have all together, well, I'm a really good mom, or I'm a really good, uh, I I saved a lot of money, or I'm doing this, or I tithe a lot, or I have these things that I say before the Lord, I'm doing a good job. God says, even in light of the greatest thing you can bring to him compared to God's holiness— It is just undone. The first response of an unholy person to the holiness of God is an acute awareness of personal sin. When the unholy confronts the holy, 
We become very conscious of our own sinfulness. And it's like that we can live most of our lives with some of the lights turned off. Well, we can take some of those thoughts and some of those behaviors and shove them into the closets of our heart and, and things that we don't want anyone to know or anyone to see. But when we become face-to-face with the presence of God, the darkness is gone and everything that is hidden is exposed. And we stand before God. And often, I think we, as humanity, uh, we, we can find ourselves thinking, well, I'm doing pretty well compared to the other people that I see or compared to other people in my life. When we compare ourselves to, to people around us, we have a, an incredible job as human beings to be able to say, well, I'm doing pretty good compared to that or compared to this. But what this scripture is showing us is that when we compare ourselves to God's standard of holiness, look out. Because the Holy Spirit has to awaken us to our sinfulness so we can experience God's grace. The last verse I want to read is verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Isaiah 6 shows us that the Lord is not just holy and good and great and amazing and all the things put together, but he's looking for messengers of holiness. And Isaiah says, Here I am. Send me not out of obligation, but out of gratitude and humility And he wants the world to know the greatness of God. Isaiah is concerned with one thing, to honor the one who is most worthy of honor. As followers of Christ, you and I have a very clear call to holiness. Jesus echoes this command from Isaiah in Matthew 5.48 when he says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect. Is that even possible? What kind, of, what kind of standard is that? God asks us to be perfect. This verse and what we saw in Isaiah 6 shows us that without God's help, we can't even get close to perfect. We can't even aim for perfect. We can't even sneeze in the direction of perfect. <laughs> the perfect standard of God, the holiness of God is so above, it's so high, that without God's help, we cannot even take a step closer to him, but he is calling us to be holy, to set, be set aside for the service of the Lord, and the person who is living a life of holiness will seek to eliminate any trace of sin from their lives. I believe that these scriptures are telling us we need to be serious about our pursuit of personal holiness, because as we are God takes those hints, even the hints of unholy, out of our life. And he begins to help us be, the, work toward being the holiness the way God is. The standard may feel so far, but God is not saying, so just give up, forget it. He's saying, I can help you here. I'm going to show you how to do it. And he is very clear that you cannot take even a hint, even a trace of any unholy thing and mix it with a holy thing. You cannot take the true God and blend it with any amount of false God. This spiritually fallen world we live in is tricking us. This spiritually fallen world we live in is hoaxing us into thinking that just just a little bit of sin is okay. Like just, just, I mean, it's just a little bit. 
Some, some false teaching blended into some true teaching. That's okay. As long as I get it mostly right. Some areas of my life I can serve Jesus. And, and when I'm with this group of friends, I can, do, I can do a really good job. But like when I'm with them, I just don't know if I can act like that. They might think I'm weird. I don't know if I can go to work and stand for holiness the way. What if I get fired? What if I have these situations and we, and we, and we get tricked? It's a hoax. It is a dangerous, spiritual, life-threatening lie. Think about it this way. I, I brought with me two glasses of pure, clean water. I Brita filtered it. So if you were going to have this water, it would refresh you. It would, it would ha- be able to do whatever you got to do today. It would, it would get you the, the um, you know, everything you needed to, to go and have a good day and not feel thirsty anymore. But what if I just said, well, in this one, I mean, I'm just going to put a little bit of poison in there. Not a lot. Don't, I mean, don't worry about it. Just, just, a, just a little. I mean, just a little bit of sin certainly won't hurt me. Just, just a little bit of sexual sin. Just, just, a, just a little bit of lying. You know, just I, my parents don't deserve honor. Why should I honor my parents? I, I, I feel like I just got to lie a little so, I, so I'm not in so much trouble. I feel bitter and, and it's okay I feel bitter because, because that person hurt me. It's just a small amount. I mean, it's just a, a small amount. And we take what God has made pure and we poison it. And this glass of water is now a death sentence. This glass of water with just a little bit of poison in it can cause death definitely to my spirit and maybe even to my body. And yet, we just continue to say, well, just a little bit is okay, just a corner cut. What's it hurting? I was thinking about how if my kids were here and they were here in the first service, and they tried to come up and take a drink of water, the length I would go to keep this cup from them. And to be honest, for all of you, the length I would go, I would knock this sucker out of your hand before I would let you take a drink. Because I knew what was in this cup was just a little bit of poison. And yet, we so often, it doesn't even occur to us some of the things we say and some of the things we do that we expose the people we love to the poison of an unholy thing. God loves us so much that he gives us the truth that holiness and any amount of sin don't blend. What are you putting in your water? What poisonous thinking are you allowing in the water? What poisonous moral, what behavior did you just decide is just part of who you are? And even though you know that God doesn't honor it, that you can't change it. What affection, what behavior are you depositing in your water? And what is your family drinking, the people you love the most? Would you stand with me this morning? And would you bow your heads? Maybe you're here or you're watching online and God is convicting you of a specific sin in your life that you need to eradicate. I'm never going to ask you to share that out loud, but you do need to acknowledge it to God right now. Just between you and God. 
Maybe you're here and, and you need a new, fresh perspective on the holiness of God. Maybe you've been treating your relationship with God a little bit too casual. Not like the God that has all the greatness and all the goodness and is so perfect in majesty. And you need to restore your awe and your reverence of him. You need to be wrecked and undone like Isaiah was. When you come into a very real understanding that God is much more holy than you think. Here's what I'm going to ask of all of us this morning. Would you just change your physical posture in some way? Maybe I just asked you to stand. Maybe God's going to tell you to sit down. Maybe you want to kneel or raise your hands. Maybe you just want to put your hand over your heart. But would you physically change your posture right now just to acknowledge, God, I want an encounter with you. My old way isn't cutting it anymore. My new, I, I want a new encounter with you. I want a new experience with the holy God. I want to understand you're so much more than I think. And now I want to pray with you. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. As we consider your holiness. And it leads us to consider our own in impurities, God. It leads us to consider the poison in our lives, Lord. Would you cleanse us? Would you change us? I pray for the person who has tolerated a sin or a habit far too long. And in this moment, God, we confess that to you. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask for help to change. We pray that our inconsistencies bother us that we don't get so used to the way that we're putting poison into our holy life that we forget that it is to you. Lord, I pray you would set people free from bondage this morning, that you would set people free from addiction, from lifelong habits, God, that you would set people free from destructive ways of thinking. I pray for that person who's caught in sin. They may feel alone. They may feel stuck. They may feel unable to change. Lord, even right now, let them sense and feel your presence and your help. God, I'm sorry for the way that we take you so casually. I'm sorry for the way that almost anything can, can bump you out of our priority list, God. I'm sorry that there are so many things we have put before you. God, help us restore to us the awe and the reverence of your goodness and your greatness. Help us strive to be perfect like you're perfect. We're going to sing this song in a minute, but just keep your eyes closed for a second. I have a mentor pastor and he uh he's from little rock arkansas he's never been to erie pennsylvania i advised him not to come until the summer he he uh he doesn't know a single soul in erie except joel and i and he called me yesterday and he said he said nicole i have such this overwhelming feeling that there's somebody in your congregation or watching online right now that is struggling to the point that they're ready to give up. 
that maybe they're even considering ending their own life. And, and from Little Rock, Arkansas, he said to me, listen, this is what, what you need to tell them. And, and as I prayed about it, I felt so strongly that he was exactly on point, that the Lord knows exactly where you are and what you need. That he has not forgotten you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life, and there is hope in him. And no matter how entangled in sin that you are, no matter how far you feel from God, that he sees you today. He sees you today. And he loves you so much that he sent a message to Little Rock, Arkansas to give me an Erie, Pennsylvania, so that he could rescue you. And so I just want to pray right now. And if that's you, I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. In fact, I'd like everyone to keep their eyes really close. This is just going to be between me, you, and God. But if that's you today, I just want you to look up at me so I can pray for you today. I see you. All right, let's pray all together. Jesus, you see our pain and our hurt and our thoughts. You know what nobody else knows, God. And you have never left us and you won't start now. And I pray right now for these sons and daughters who are having a very hard time even wanting to live. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release them from the prison of darkness that closes around them. God, that as you say in, in the Psalms, that you would snatch them up out of the miry clay, that you would set their feet on solid ground. And today we are trusting you for a breakthrough of a measurable size, Father. Do what only you can do, God. The goodness and the greatness and the holiness of who you are. God, I thank you for your strength. I thank you, Lord, that you can take us from a very weak moment and you can give us the strength that we need to go forward. And so I pray you would infuse that today in the lives of these men and women. God, I praise you for who you are. Would you sing this together? Just declares I choose to worship. I choose to worship. I choose to bow. Though there's pain in the
Jesus, we're just undone in your presence. Because when an unholy person enters the presence of God, they're acutely aware of where they don't measure up. So God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your restoration. Thank you that you love us so much. You want to help us be holy like you're holy, like the word says. God, I pray today we could take very seriously the, our pursuit of holiness. God, would you help us eradicate even the little bit of poison that we're putting into a holy life that we're trying to lead? God, I love you. I thank you for the hope that you always offer. You are great and you are good. And I thank you for today. And it's in your name I pray. Thank you for listening to the Erie Force Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.